Welcome to Breaking Down Patriarchy. I'm Amy McPhee Olivest. June marks the beginning of Pride Month, which is a time when the LGBTQIA community celebrates their identities. This acronym, by the way, stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, and asexual people with room for more. When we think about Pride Month, we might imagine big rainbow flags and flashy parades, extravagant outfits, and exuberant dance parties. It's a month of festivities which has become increasingly accepted into mainstream culture. And yet, the more normalized this holiday becomes, the easier it is for us to forget the essential radical roots of Pride. We'll post a more expansive look into the history of Pride on our website, but to offer a quick crash course, Pride celebrations occur in June to commemorate the 1969 Stonewall riots. While these weren't the first riots to erupt for gay rights, they're by far the most famous incident of queer people, and particularly gay and transgender people of color, fighting back against violent police raids on queer spaces. So why were police raiding queer spaces like the Stonewall Inn? To put it simply, they were there to enforce gender codes, insisting that there was only one correct way to be a man and one correct way to be a woman. And they attacked anyone who fell outside of this strict heteronormative patriarchal model. Violence against the queer community in the United States had been commonplace before the attacks on the Stonewall Inn. But starting on June 28, 1969, the queer community fought back, sparking a global movement for civil rights that continues to this day. This is why, even at their most lighthearted and playful, pride festivities are also always political, and protest remains an integral part of the holiday today. The Breaking Down Patriarchy team is so happy to be participating in this tradition of commemoration, celebration, and activism. All this month, we'll be highlighting queer voices and experiences to deepen our understanding of the ways that patriarchal structures punish the queer community, and we'll be learning from the remarkable examples of our contributors as they stand proudly in their identities, challenging oppressive systems, and advocating for a more equitable world for all. At the end of the month, we'll be joined by two remarkable women who remember the Stonewall Riots. And in the meantime, we'll have many wonderful voices to share, starting with today's guests, Chloe Agen and Lakshan Lingham. Chloe Agen's pronouns are they, them. Chloe is a queer, multiracial social worker in Salt Lake City, Utah. Chloe has had the privilege of working with LGBTQ plus individuals in a variety of capacities, and they hope to continue this life-saving work. Chloe's dream is to open up a queer bookstore in the South that is focused on amplifying voices of queer BIPOC authors and provides a safe space for everyone that enters. And I'll add there that BIPOC, if you're not familiar with it for listeners, is Black Indigenous People of Color. So when Chloe is not working, they enjoy being outside in the sun, exploring the beautiful landscape that is Utah. Lakshan Lingham's pronouns are he, they. Lakshan is an undergraduate student pursuing a degree in gender studies and arts technology at the University of Utah. In their spare time, they enjoy searching for new music and spending time with their brother. 
And I met Chloe and Lakshan through a group that my family supports called Encircle. And you'll hear Encircle mentioned a few times through their conversation. Encircle is a nonprofit organization with the mission to bring together family and community to enable queer youth to thrive. They provide services like support groups, educational and creative programs, and accessible mental health services in a safe and beautiful environment in cities throughout Utah and other states where queer youth are most at risk. We're so happy to feature this casual, candid discussion between Chloe and Lakshan when they were together at the Encircle House in Salt Lake City. And we'll join them mid-conversation as they discuss the power of representation. Let's talk about patriarchy, being queer, media representation. I guess that's a good place to start. I think that's a really good place to start. I'm trying to think through like, I think a lot of our media for so long has been really influenced by patriarchal structure and especially queer media. Queer media has always been built through the lens of like men and not only just men, but like for folks who identified as heterosexual or straight. And I think we're now entering an era even of like better queer media. Mm -hmm. I think when we were younger, like there wasn't good queer media. And it makes me think a lot about like, like Ellen and that show and like its audience and its projected audience and who it was supposed to like really resonate with and how it wasn't really made for the queer community, but it was really empowering at the time for us as a queer community. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool seeing, you know, works being created by folks who are non-binary or transgender. And I think of all these really awesome sh shows that really pull in those intersections of identity and you can really see it reflected in the content. Yeah. I'm trying to think of examples right now. I think like for me, I guess the, the first example, right, is like the L word, right? Like hmm. it was so integral in what it did at the time of like being a show that was specifically about dynamics within lesbians and things like that. And it was like such a huge turning point for a lot of people and also still had really bad representation and still had lots of problematic things in it. Right. Yeah. And like but very pivotal. At the right. Time. Very, yeah. very, very pivotal, but also still problematic in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And then like seeing the, the new L word, right? Generation Q and seeing like them taking all this feedback that had come from the original L word and like trying to make changes and trying to like include people with different identities and like be respectful of those identities um, is really important. And that, like just thinking back to like how important that would have been for me, like as a like baby closeted queer person, right? Like knowing that there are different ways to identify as being lesbian. There are lots of different ways to identify with like my gender. And it's not just like I have to be a skinny white person to be lesbian, I guess. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And it's really cool seeing media evolve and change. And I think a lot about the work that Glad is doing has mm -hmm. always been doing mm -hmm. to be sure that accurate representation is being achieved in media. And it's really cool seeing like that change a little bit and seeing even like who is reflected on the screen change, right? right? Seeing more queer identities, more people of color, more just ranges of identities and orientations and expression. That's been really cool. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Do you feel like media has affected the way that you've like understood your sexuality and or gender identity? Yeah. I think, um, I'm thinking back to when I was younger 
And a lot of the media we were consuming when we were younger really contributed to like normative socialization. Like we were being taught gender roles and how to be male, how to be female, what jobs, what careers made sense for what identity you were born as, what you were assigned at birth. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to see media that kind of challenges that a bit. And I'm seeing my brother who identifies as straight, see and being exposed to so many different identities in media. And it's starting to become a lot more mainstream. And I think the impact it had on us as we were younger was great. And it really influenced how we saw our own gender and how we saw our own futures as queer people. I remember when I was younger, like I never thought I'd come out because mm-hmm. of the way that I heard my community talking about being LGBTQ, saw media being portrayed about being LGBTQ. Um, and I think we're starting, especially here at Encircle, I hear all of our youth talking about their favorite shows, their favorite music. Um, and so much of it is queer. And it's so, I don't know how to describe it, but it's so, like, I'm thinking of, like, artists that I knew when I was younger, like David Bowie, where it was like, we knew he was queer. And that was awesome. It was really awesome seeing that representation. But it was never really overtly queer. Mm-hmm. But I think of, like, growing up, Janelle Monet was one of my favorite artists. And it was well, she was one of my favorite artists because it was one of my mom's favorite artists. And she released her first album and she dressed very masculine and androgynous. And I thought that was so cool. And I was like so obsessed with everything she was creating. And then I think it was a couple albums later where she started using same gender pronouns for like people she was talking about in her songs. Mm. And I was like, whoa, Janelle might be queer. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I can't listen to Janelle anymore. Like that is like not happening. And the year I came out was when she really started computer. And that was really pivotal for me. Um, not only as an album, but as like the motion picture that she released on YouTube was really cool. And I learned a lot from watching both of those and they were just very intersectional in nature and really shaped that. So I think now like all of our, all of our youth here at Encircle that are attending our programs and here in the space have access to a lot better representation. And that is just the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Can you tell, like, can you explain to people, like, how you identify? Like, you kind of talked about how media has influenced the way you identify, but, like, how do you identify? Yeah, so I identify as non-binary, and I use he, him, and they, them pronouns. How is your identity impacted by patriarchal structure in your life? Yeah. It's like patriarchy does affect everything, because that's the type of society that we live in, right? Where, like, men boys are favored and like the characteristics of men and boys are yeah favored I guess um and I would say like growing up in a family where I was the only daughter like was really hard for me because I could see lots of different ways in which my brothers were favored and it was like part of me like wanted to be like them because their attributes their characteristics Like, they literally could just exist and be favored by my parents, favored by society, right? Where, like, I felt like I was always playing catch up, that, like, no matter what I did, it wasn't enough. I wasn't feminine enough, you know? And I feel like that was really hard for me because as a queer person, it's like this kind of coming to an understanding, like, that I could be a female-identified person but also not 
be super feminine as well. Like I remember when I was in sixth grade and I loved shopping in the boys section. Like it was like my favorite thing. I loved wearing boys clothes and everything like that. And we went shopping with one of my aunts one time and I was like, oh, can we like go check out the boys section? Because like, I want to, you know, shop there because that's what I feel comfortable in. And she shot me down and was like, no, like girls do not shop in the boys section. Like you are going to become a woman one day and no man is going to want you because of the way you dress. And I feel like that stuck with me for such a long time and was always in my head of like, I have to be feminine. I have to present a specific way yeah. so that I would be attractive to men. But I wasn't even attracted to men. Like, that's not what I wanted. But it was, like, ingrained in me that, like, this is how I had to present. And I yeah, felt like... it was like the expectation. 100%, right. that mm -hmm. expectation. And I felt like for a really long time, I was trying to be this person that I wasn't. Like, mm -hmm. I was trying to be so feminine, but I didn't know how. And I felt awkward and I felt uncomfortable. And because of that, I, like felt like I had to hide so many parts of myself because it's like, if people saw who I really was, if people saw the way I really wanted to dress, the like characteristics that I want to actually like show people, I would be rejected, right? Because of this idea that my identity has to center around the male gaze when it doesn't. Um, and it wasn't until I came out in like, when I was 23 that I realized that like, that's not what I wanted or who I was. And then it was like the opposite, right? Of like rejecting all of that. Mm -hmm. And like this idea of like being lesbian, I remember like, just like being lesbian is so tied up in patriarchy, which is like weird because like lesbians, there are no men in the like identity of being lesbian, but it is still so tied up in this idea of like being centered around men and the way it's portrayed in media, like totally, we talked about, yeah. like, lesbians have existed in media for men so it was like for me to identify strongly as a lesbian it was like i had to reject all of my femininity because i didn't want to be seen as someone who was doing it for the male gaze again you know so it's like this really weird and interesting thing of like how do i accept myself as a feminine being and also embrace this masculinity that i have in me and like not feeling like I was doing it because I wanted attention from men. If that does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And actually what you were saying reminded me of a conversation we had with Stacy Harkey here at Encircle. Um and Stacy was reflecting on his experience at BYU. And it was so funny because I remembered him talking a little bit about like being afraid and really being conscious of the way he walked and the way he mm -hmm. spoke and the way he like just moved throughout campus. And it reminded me, and it was kind of relating to your story of being in the store with your aunt. It reminded me for the first time in a long time, because I've been in the safe space surrounded by queer people and being in a space where I'm really welcomed for being my authentic self. It reminded me that I used to have those fears that I used to like, I don't know, like be so wrapped up in expressing my masculinity so overtly mm -hmm. so that I wouldn't be perceived as queer. Mm. And that experience, your experience in the store, because for your aunt, it's such a small thing to say, but it's so damaging to us and our identities. And it's so influenced by patriarchal structure. And like my non-binary identity is very influenced by wanting to kind of escape that expectation of me in a patriarchal structure. I grew up in a very patriarchal home. Um, 
my family's first generation American. My family's from Sri Lanka. My parents were in an arranged marriage. Like the way um, women are treated in Hindu culture and in Sri Lankan culture isn't, it just didn't sit right with me, truthfully. And my non-binary identity was primarily motivated by me not loving the stereotypes or the expectations that being male were assigned to me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I could have said that better, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. And I really like using they, them pronouns because I feel like it's a way for me to really be myself and be authentic and fill the space that I need. I remember when I first came out, I felt the need to just be like very masculine and like continue to dress very masculine. And then there was a period of time where I was like, okay, like I was really assessing my bias and I was like, hey, I really have to start embracing parts of femininity and really being vulnerable and like really being present with people. And I really wanted to do that. And that didn't, like I tried finding a balance between the two and it wasn't really working for me because I was really performing both. And that was really hard for me. So I found myself now in a space where like I dress how I want, I speak how I want, I do what I want. Like I am me. And I think that's a world where I think we should all strive just to be more ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think these structures that are so ingrained in our culture and our media and all the scopes of our lives are it's kind of inhibiting for us from being ourselves from a very young age. And it's really cool seeing the opportunity that every year it gets a little better. Like every year. I remember when I started Uncircle, like I feel like the conversations among our youth have changed at Uncircle even. I feel like when I first attended Uncircle, I'd hear a lot of youth. And we still have these conversations where in Friendship Circle of Youth, they're talking about their identities and the hardships they're facing at school and at work and all the spaces there are. Because um, it's definitely not ideal. We're definitely not to that. We haven't arrived. <laughs> um, but it is cool seeing conversations shift sometimes to more like, I don't know, just conversations among kids. I don't know. Because all of our youth here, they're just kids. And it's really cool hearing them just talk about their favorite TV shows that happen to have queer folks in them mm. and their music. We've like talked a lot about like gender identity and patriarchy, but what about like your sexuality, I guess, and how that ties into patriarchy? So I identify as gay and I remember like when I was first dating, like I really struggled with trying to figure out like, how do I date? Like, How do I date as a gay man? And it's so funny thinking about like, I, who come from a very patriarchal background and my partner who does as well and trying to figure out how to be vulnerable with each other and really figure out how to have a relationship with each other was hard because we are taught to be very closed off. And I think you bring both of these, like, and I grew up in a very different family structure than my partner did. And I don't know, it's just really interesting and it can be really complex, but I think we can definitely get there. And I think it takes a lot of self-reflection and it assessment of your biases and how you're brought up to really understand how to navigate that yeah so you, do you feel like you're in a place where you're like vulnerable and yeah i mean there's always work to do like there's always i don't know whenever like i don't know there's always times and spaces where i'm like okay hey, like this feeling i'm having right now or like navigating this part of our relationship is like influenced by how i was brought up and like how i perceived being like the male in a relationship mm. would look like. And there's always going to be that. There's always going to be that back and forth. But I think we're in a really good place where I'm really vulnerable and so is my partner. And I think 
queer men and, and I it's hard for me to be like being queer men is like hard and understanding like how to navigate that relationship is hard because any queer relationship is hard. Like I can't imagine what like for you identifying as lesbian and dating someone who um, identifies as female, like that is also like you still feel the effects of the patriarchy mm-hmm. in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think all queer relationships will always feel that kind of pressure. Yeah. And, I, and that like reminds me of like, like gender roles, right? Like gender roles are so clear in relationships mm-hmm. and just like kind of what you're saying about the patriarchy influencing that. How many times do I get asked like, who's the man and who's a woman in a relationship, right? Obviously based on this idea that there has to be a man in a relationship, right? Right, And we're just two humans trying to figure out what we both like and then navigating our relationship based off of that. Like I always tell people that like vacuuming isn't a gendered thing, right? No, it's just something everyone should do. Exactly. Like, taking <laughs> the trash out isn't a gendered thing. Like it just, it's just things that we like and dislike. And this idea that like we have to be forced into these roles. I think that's like my favorite thing about being in a queer relationship is that like I can do what I love. My partner can do what she loves we meet somewhere in the middle, right? Like right. I love cleaning. Like it is just like my thing that like makes me so happy. Like I will vacuum all day long. My partner hates it. But does that make me the woman and her the man? No. Like my partner loves to host people and I hate it. Does that make her the woman and me the man? No. Like that just makes us us. And I think that's like, it's so freeing once you get to this point of understanding that like relationships, whether it's queer relationships or straight relationships, that like we should be complimenting each other in these ways and we shouldn't be prescribing gender identities, gender rules onto stupid things like vacuuming, right? Totally. Uh, I love the way you said that because it makes me think about like the little things that we do, right? Because you're, I, I like to think of it as just like two people navigating life with each other, right? And you're yeah. always figuring out how to like do that with another person. It doesn't matter really how you identify or who you're with or like what their sexual orientation is or like we're just partners and we're figuring that out yeah for sure right yeah and i i think that also like ties again like ties into sex even the idea of like queer sex right it it's like the idea and understanding that we have of like sexual relationships is like between a man and a woman right Again, as a lesbian, I get often asked, like, how does sex work? Like, how do you do that? Like, if there's no penis and there's, like, and there's just two vaginas, like, how do, you, how do you make that work, right? Like, just this idea that, like, there has to be a man in everything for it to be considered valid, for a relationship to be considered valid. Like, it has to be between a man and a woman or a sexual relationship to be valid, right? It has There has to be a, a penis and there has to be a vagina when, like, there's so many things outside of that, right? Like, I don't and know. relationships don't like sex isn't the only part of a relationship, 100%. right? I feel like queer relationships are definitely hypersexualized, mm. and it's really unfortunate because like, like no one should feel comfortable asking someone else, uh, especially a queer relationship, right? Like you should, it's private and it's part of a relationship. Yeah, but I agree, like. I remember when I was first coming out, I was like, I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's no, there weren't very good resources. Like, sex, sex education in Utah specifically, like, sure. isn't where it needs to be. Um, and we spent a lot of times, like, I am in the School for Cultural and Social Transformation at the University of Utah. And we spent a lot of time talking about, like, what um, sex education would look like if it was queer friendly. Mm-hmm. And how vital that would be for the queer folks that are 
going through our sex education program right now. Talk more about that. Like, right. how would it be different? I think queer people would feel a lot more affirmed in their identities and it wouldn't feel othered, right? Because they'd see more of it in not only just like we were talking about media earlier, but like in curriculum. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be so much like you being queer is something we don't talk about. And it's also like being queer is not a phase, right? And I feel like not having queer relationships in any kind of curriculum, whether it be history, sex education, anything, indicates that you're other and that you don't matter in our society. And kind of that like what you are and how you identify is wrong. Totally. You know? Yeah. Because that's something we don't talk about. Like we don't talk about queer people because it is wrong is how Mm -hmm. it comes across. Totally. And that's so sad. It's heartbreaking. And it's so funny because like I think back to like when I was in middle school and I'd recognize things like that subconsciously. Mm. I'd recognize like the omission of queer relationships or like we never even talked about it. And I'd recognize that, but it was very subconscious in the sense of like I was just trying to get through middle school, get through high school, right? But I also never really thought I would be in a space where I was affirmed in my identity and could come out and like thrive as a queer individual. And it's funny because people always ask, like, when did that switch for you? It's it's funny because, like, it was at End Circle. I remember going to an event we used to have, a program we used to have called Tools to Thrive. And I saw Paul, too, was speaking at Tools to Thrive, who's really awesome. Paul's so cool. And seeing um, another queer person, when I felt like I was the only queer person in Utah County, mm-hmm. talk about what they've done in life and all the amazing things they've achieved was really life-changing for me. And I think just like the structures we have, like especially, and we're getting so much better as we go, just like didn't allow for discussion. I don't know, queer icons and heroes in our history. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, again, tying this back to the patriarchy, right? Like because the patriarchy and because men like don't think that, representation for queer people is important it doesn't happen a lot like mm-hmm. like you're saying it's better now but like definitely not where we want to be right but i just feel like time after time like i hear so many stories about people who are like because i saw a creepy a queer person who looks like me who acts like me who wants the same things that i want like that's how i knew that like my identity was okay you know and like yeah. just that imp- importance of like representation and like decentering this idea of like what men think is what it should be in our society yeah because there are like so many other identities than like being a man and even like being a man like within that there are lots of other identities as well right yeah like the intersectionality of like being a man and being gay or being a man and being trans being a man and being a person of color like there's some so much complexity within that in and of itself. Yeah. But it always doesn't feel like that. Totally. And again, like patriarchy, its only impact is not on not on women, not on men, it's on everyone, right? It's on all of us as a society. And I think a lot of times when people hear the word patriarchy, they attach it directly to toxic masculinity and they think about its impact directly on women, but like it really does impact men as well. Like I don't know why this is what I'm thinking of right now, but the Gillette commercial that featured a trans man and a dad teaching his son after transitioning how to shave. 
and the backlash we got from men seeing the Gillette commercial, having used Gillette forever, being so upset. I remember thinking like, how is it that like how you have been brought up, like how your life experience has taught you that that's not okay. When really like we all should just be comfortable being ourselves. And I thought that commercial was so cool. It was the coolest (laughs) thing in the world. You know, we haven't spoken much about patriarchy and homophobia Hmm. and how they're very much, I don't know, they're structures that hold each other up. I think patriarchal structure and the way we you know, teach patriarchy in our society definitely influences and empowers homophobia. Not only among men, but women and all those in our communities. And it can be really damaging for queer folks who already feel othered in our communities. Can you talk about that? I know like we've talked previously about how you've had some internalized homophobia and like you've worked really hard to overcome that. Yeah. I don't think there's ever a point where any queer person fully overcomes that. Mm. Like we are always going to be impacted by our lived experiences and our lived experiences have always been shaped with patriarchy and homophobia. That's just the truth. Um, And I think back like, when I first was coming out, like I truly did not believe that like coming out would be like now coming out has been the best thing that I'd ever done. I live the most authentic life and surrounded by the best people. I'm just so happy with where I'm at and how my identity is expressed by me. But I think when I first came out, that internalized homophobia was really great. I didn't think I could thrive as an LGBTQ person. And coming out to my family, like that was really made clear that they didn't think I would either. And it takes a lot of really like self-reflection and understanding how like your lived experiences may have worked to teach you that your identity isn't okay, but that like you'll find a space. It's so hard. Like anytime I'm like, I grew up in Provo, Utah, people are like, oh, that's so hard. And I'm like, it's funny because like at the time it wasn't like I felt okay. Like I was good. And I still really love Provo. And I think like some of the best folks I know live in Provo and it's such a good space to be. And it can be really welcoming. I've seen it progress a lot in the years since I've come out and, you know, moved from Utah to Salt Lake City. But can you tell people about Provo, Utah and like why that's so shocking for people? Yeah, I think in Provo, like it's very like the predominant religion is LDS. And um, I think there are a lot of negative attitudes and hostile attitudes towards LGBTQ identity. Um, that's not something that was super talked about when I was younger. Um, I've seen a lot of really cool organizers in Provo, um, other than Uncircled, creating and working to create a better space in Provo, Utah. And that's been really cool. Um, but I think in small towns across the nation, mm. there are queer people who feel like they're the only LGBTQ person in the world and they're like it's never talked about they never seen in media and there's just a whole generation of queer folks that feel like they don't belong and that contributes to our crazy rates of suicidality among lgbtq youth in the united states and it's really sad and it's largely created by this structure of patriarchy that's just all-encompassing and like, I think po- pointing out like that this is an experience that lots of people have across the United States, right? Who come from small towns where it does feel like you're the only one because one, no one talks about it. 
Or two, if people do talk about it, they're shamed for it. So you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to be that, right? Like I, I don't want to be the person who's shamed and it's safer for me if I just don't, because there's no one else here who can relate to my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like the same way too. So like I went to BYU, which is in Provo, Utah. Um, And when I was coming out, I think we came out around the same time. Yeah. Uh, in like 20s, I came out in 2017, I think. I'm trying to remember which album Janelle had released, <laughs> but yeah, no, around then. Yeah, so like around 2017, and just like, like here we are, two people of color, right, trying to navigate being queer and understanding our identities, but also feeling like there wasn't anyone else out there who related mm-hmm. to my experience, um, and just how important it is, like again, visibility is so important. Um, and having this like internalized homophobia of like being gay is bad. Like even after like coming out and this idea that like, like, Oh, it's okay for them to be gay. Right. But it's not okay for me. <laughs> totally. That was, oh, it was always, you no, know, that's how I felt too. I would see queer relationships and like, that is the coolest thing. And I'd be like, but I can never do that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, yeah, I think, right, there's a study that shows that like most, most queer people know that they're queer by the age of 12, but don't come out until they're 22, which is 10 whole years of this, like, idea of being gay is bad, being really just sitting with it by yourself. Yes. Yes. Or like being gender diverse is bad. Like, like, we don't really think about that, that like we might say things offhandedly we might like treat people a specific way and not understand the impact that has on people around us. Mm-hmm. Right. Like how many people do I meet that are like, I don't know a gay person or I don't know a trans person. It's like, no, you do. You're just probably not safe enough for them to come out to. Right. And if you are noticing that you don't have core people in your life, like you have to make space. You have to like, I don't know, really sit back and sit with yourself and figure out where your biases and assumptions have led you. And I think it's really cool because like here at Uncircle, we see volunteers come in all the time. They were like, I was missing any tie to the LGBTQ community. And they come in Uncircle and they learn so much. And they become really true advocates and allies for the core community. And then it's so funny because like over the last few years, I've seen volunteers be like, and now my kid has come out or my neighbor came out to me. And I'm like just learning how to be a safe space. Mm. I think that's the coolest thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to speak to that I feel like I have conversations with so many parents who are like I love the LGBTQ community and like I'm so shocked that my kid would be afraid to come out to me and it's like yes while you may be supportive of the LGBTQ community it's those little things right that we say that we believe the religions that we're tied to like what are all of those things saying what are the people around us saying and then we're not speaking up against it right that is teaching your kid that these ideas these beliefs can be upheld right and that's why lots of kids are afraid to come out to their parents because while you may be like oh rah rah like i have all these queer friends but you're saying all these homophobic things behind their back or you know you are part of a religion that preaches against gay people gender diverse people right like that's not a safe space that someone wants to come out to right you know and it's funny because I've also struggled with like, I hear parents sometimes say the same thing where they're like, I have tried all I can to be a safe space. And it breaks my heart because I'm like, 
some of these parents, like I know they've done all they can to be a safe space. They've tried so hard to create a safe space, but even if they're perfect, our society as a whole isn't. Mm. So our youth are going to be hearing things about queer relationships in school, at church, in all of the different structures and systems in their lives. And even if their family is fully accepting and trying so hard to build a space where they could come out safely, the world is still teaching them that their queer identity is wrong. Mm. And that can be really hard too. Because I know a million parents that have the best intentions. It's hard. It's definitely hard. Chloe, what do you think a good takeaway from our conversation would be for all of our listeners today? And I think for me, the biggest takeaway would be to identify like your biases would be like the first step, right? Like what are your biases? Like, even if you are an ally, even if you are queer, like we all have these, these things that we've grown up with, like Lukshin has been saying, right? We all have these biases within us and that's okay. It just time to like for us to look at them like what are they and how can I change them and like being really 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 intentional about changing and about seeing people the the way that they want to be seen like like words are so freeing but at the same time they can be so limiting right like Lexion and I both use they, them pronouns, but what that means to both of us is so different. So different, yeah. Like for a, for a while, I was identifying as non-binary and Lexion identifies as non-binary, but the way that we relate to that word non-binary is so different. And I would say that my biggest takeaway is, yeah, be curious, confront your biases, and really try to see people the way that they want to be seen because we don't do that enough. And using language again is so freeing and also so limiting so mm-hmm. remember that do you want to speak to that a little bit no i think that was so good and i think you're absolutely right language means so much for and it, language is so important it feels like such a small thing and the things you say can feel really small but intention over impact right really understanding and sitting with that um and yeah just knowing that like i'm speaking directly about the queer community right now but know that like the labels we might use, the terms we might identify with, really vary per person. We're so thankful to Chloe and Lakshan for sharing this insightful conversation with us. The work that these two are doing to build community and create safe spaces is just so encouraging, and their fearlessness in being themselves is really inspirational. Before I go, I'd also like to thank Sam Rose Preminger for our production, Brianna Jovan for our editing, and Lindsay Olibest for our social media. And thank you, listeners, for joining us this month of celebrations. And to our LGBTQIA plus listeners specifically, we're so happy you're here. Everyone can join us on our website, breakingdownpatriarchy.com, where you can find more information about today's episode and Pride in general. And you can join the conversation anytime by visiting us on 
Facebook or Instagram, and our handle is at BeDownPatriarchy. Make sure to join us again next week when we'll be continuing our recognition of Pride Month with two contributors, poet and filmmaker Autumn McAlpin and mental health professional Colette Dalton. And they will both be helping us explore the consequences of heteronormativity on queer life within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Join us for that conversation next time on Breaking Down Patriarchy. Mm -hmm.